This episode of the Quad Squad Pod is sponsored by The Ballad of Bonaduke by R.T. Slaywood, a dark urban fantasy available exclusively on Kindle Vela. Visit our link tree or the description of this episode of the podcast for more information on how to begin reading today. Now let's start the show. Gentlemen, we are here. It's episode three, and I tell you what, it has been a motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> trying to take care this, of this episode. This oh, is technically episode three and a half, bad. baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think uh, you could all cut away to images uh, of us longingly gazing off into the distance, wondering if we're going to get this episode recorded. But mm-hmm. I'm going to knock on wood because because we're here and we're, we're going to get this done for I, everybody. I do so. like how you've kept the same shirt on, even though it's the next day. Like that's nice. I should have well, done I, that. I, same. This, this this is oh the I have whole, a, I have a different uh, hoodie on. Yeah. Same here. To be fair, I took it off after we recorded. I was excited to wear my Prince Purple Rain shirt <laughs> that I got for eight dollars at TJ Maxx. But nice. Paulie's, Paulie's really really trying to spoil the magic. <laughs> um, well, so, in his defense, I did too. I actually I wore the same shirt thinking I was right, but now I'm looking and I had a different hoodie on. So yeah. it's already ruined. It is ruined. I went from Star Wars so to Beetlejuice. Knows, so, but, but I, nice I, shirt. I've subsequently showered and I did not sleep in this shirt. I can't speak for everybody else here. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm, calling, uh, I'm calling bullshit on the shower. <laughs> Polly, why don't you? Uh, why don't you take it away? What are we talking about today? I oh yeah, us obviously. <laughs> okay, so we've all had some people come to us and be like, "Hey, like I know you personally from the squad, but I really don't know anybody else um, that well." Uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about our backgrounds, uh, kind of what we have, you know, where we've come from, how we got to the point we're at, basically. Um, so yeah, that's that's the simple way of putting it, and I think Andrew is going to lead us off today. Yeah, we asked Aaron if he wanted to go first again, but he said he's gone first for every single episode. So we don't want to have to make him go go first for three episodes in a row. Fuck so you, and me, and, <laughs> and me going first like like sent us off the rails. So let's that get is, a nice that little is, rhythm, yeah. and then we'll uh, and then we can focus on me. <laughs> Fuck you, Andrew Talley is at one. We're gonna save Bryce for last. Because he he might be the best, and also because we don't want to have to record this for a third time. So yeah, so let, let me go ahead and take it away. Um, you spoke too soon. I knocked on wood again, though. Okay, good. Um, so I was I'm the oldest of three boys. Um, 
I was born and have spent the majority of my life in Oakland County, Michigan, which for those of you who aren't familiar, is one of the wealthiest counties, I believe, or at least it used to be per capita in the United States. So um, grew up in a predominantly white, predominantly uncomfortably conservative area, looking back at things now. Um, And that really shaped who I was growing up. Uh, My parents were conservative. Um, and you know, as you grow up, you kind of follow in the footsteps of those you admire and you believe and think and say things to kind of mimic that. Um, and it it really, for me was turning 18. That's when I started working in restaurants. I, uh, started at Olive Garden, which is where I actually spent 10 years with Darden restaurants, serving, bartending, managing, but, the time I had spent in restaurants with not only the, the people I worked with, but the people that would come in and the people that I would serve uh, and wait on, it was such a diverse group of people. And to get to hear stories and see people from so many different backgrounds. And uh, I think at the time when I was 18 or 19, I wanted to go to school to be a high school teacher. Um, and over the course of that first year and a half in the restaurant, I saw five or six people with their teaching degree waiting tables with me. Mm-hmm. So at that point, the gear started turning up. Do I want to be the seventh person with their teaching degree? Who's a bartender or a server at Olive Garden? So I said, no. Um, and really at that point, I think I was 19, maybe 20. Uh, my buddy, Mark, who I was the best man at his wedding in February um, had his roommate up in Mount Pleasant at Central Michigan back out at the last minute. So joined him up there, lived on my own for the first time. Um, thankfully never got an MIP, uh, before I turned 21, uh, which for, if you have some of my friends, I was the lucky one. How is that um, possible? Up there. And it, it, it was not for a lack of, of running into, um, the Mount Pleasant police department. Cause that happened at least three or four times. But, um, I think for me, it was like getting out of that bubble. You know, you think that the world is like where you live. It's just a bigger version of that. Mm-hmm. And getting outside of that and, and seeing and hearing so many stories, I think that's where my brain, like the funny thing is my dad, who is very conservative, um, very stubborn, very set in his own ways. <clears throat> I know that sounds nothing like me. The conservative part, it doesn't, but the other stuff, uh, maybe a bit. But he always taught me to ask questions. If something doesn't make sense, ask why. Why? Why does this, you know, why is this this way? Why do people think this way? And it's it's funny that him telling me that is is what made me kind of unpack and move away from that mindset, from the Republican conservative, um, which I think we've seen in the last 15, 20 years has only gone farther and farther right into extremism. So um, from there, met my, um, my now ex-wife up there. Um, and moved back home after about a year after that. I was not quite 22, so I spent almost two years up in Mount Pleasant and then um, was 22 with my oldest um, and now have three boys. I can't believe my oldest is 13 years old, which is wild, but they'll be 13, 11, and 9 this year. Well, that's that's and because heard- you're old, Andrew. If I'm old, you are ancient, but we'll continue. <laughs> um, I think uh, I, I firmly believe that I am the reason that my friends d- didn't have kids um, earlier. 
they waited till a much later age. Um, and now I get to see all their adorable kids, but, um, you know, going through that. And then I was within the same six month time frame. I, uh, lost my dad and my marriage was over. So, um, that was kind of a, a slap in the face of like, Hey, you need to get your shit together. Um, and it took me a while and I, I made a whole lot of mistakes and, um, drank a bottle of red wine most every night, um, to go to sleep and just to kind of numb a lot of those feelings. And that was when I was, uh, I, I, I thought I wasn't crazy, so I didn't need therapy. That was before therapy was, was really a thing. So, you know, in, in meeting some of the most amazing people in my life, uh, since then and in going to therapy and, and trying to, to actively work on all these things. And, and that's the biggest thing that if I could tell myself 15 years ago, like you have to work on this stuff every day. As smart as I, I mean, I still think I'm very smart, but uh, as smart as I thought I was at 20 and it, fuck you, Aaron, there's (laughs) there's one right back. Um, As, as smart as I thought I was then and how I knew everything, which I think every 18 or 19 year old kind of has that streak in them. um, Yeah. I'd I'd love to just take him by the shoulders and shake him and say, you have no fucking idea what you're doing and you're still not going to in a decade, but you have to work at it. And, uh, you know, whether it's, whether it's parenting for me, whether it's, um, romantic relationships, whether it's just like friendships, it, there's, there's so much, you know, and then we talk about the things like internalized racism, internalized massage, all these things that like, I didn't even know about until I happened on this children's dancing app and, and started, started finding all of these amazing creators who, who were able to explain a lot of these things that, that I had no idea about. And I think the beauty of, of, of what we've been able to kind of stumble into, like, I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful, not only to have just like downloaded this app and, and, you know, found a whole bunch of people who I genuinely feel like have taught me so much, but to be able to forge bonds with people who, um, you know, and, and close relationships with people who have taught me a lot of those things. Um, you know, I have, I have the three of you guys. And again, like the story of Bryce and I sending messages back and forth and realizing we were a six minute drive away from each other. You know, you guys who like, you know, if we bump into each other at the grocery store, you're never going to give someone a second look, but like being able to, you know, come across one another's content and start engaging. And, um, you know, I can think of so many, so not so many other people, but like, other than you three, like for me, uh, I know Camille is one of those people. And it's like, um, just, just looking back at this and as cynical as I am and as much of an asshole as I can be um, every once in a while, every once in a while, I'll throw that caveat in there. Um, I'm very thankful that this has kind of helped aid me in that process of, as I talked about, kind of trying to unlearn and unpack all of the things I was basically conditioned to believe and conditioned to understand as normal or the right way to do things. Uh, you three, all the people, um, you know, that, that put out amazing content on TikTok have kind of allowed me to do that. So, you know, it's looking back on it now, that was, I, I just kind of breezed over that there and, and, and got done a little bit quicker than I wanted to. But um, to sum that up, it's like, the, the work isn't done and it's not going to be done tomorrow. It won't be done in six months. It's not going to be done in five years. You know, 
we are like I have my kids are 13, 11 and nine or will be, you know, in about a month, month and a half now when everyone's birthday is done. And like my mission in life now is to make sure that they're far better than I was when they leave the house, right. even before they leave the house. But when they're 18 and they're on their own, um, which I've already told them, they'll be living on campus when they go to college. So I can just buy an RV and travel the country and golf. Um, but like, <laughs> like I, I want those long-term them, plans. <laughs> I, I want them to think for themselves. And like, I, I don't push anything on them. If they have questions, I will answer them. I don't, if they have questions about religion, I will answer them to the best of my, my best of my abilities. I will not try to persuade them or dissuade them one way or the other. And I think that's what, what I really learned is like, as a parent, you try to compensate or overcompensate in the areas you feel like you didn't get, or you try to course correct on things you can look back on and reflect and say, I wish I would have had this, or think it's like you become the person I've seen this on TikTok a bunch. You become the person now who you would have felt safe with as a child, which really hits you in the feels when you think about that. But um, I, I think uh, as someone who loves to talk, uh, I'm more than happy to answer questions later on, but I think it's time for me to shut up. <laughs> oh my I'm, God. I'm Thank pass- you for saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, buddy. Well, I'm a- somebody had to. Uh, I'm I'm gonna pass it over to Paulie now, so we can give we can give Aaron a breather for the next several minutes. Yeah, until he goes on, and then mm-hmm. let the fun begin, right? Um, so I was born <laughs> in Sedona, Arizona, um, resort town out there. Um, my mom had moved there with her family uh, when she was like in her. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> um. Yeah, she had moved there, I think it was her junior year of high school with her family, which was a family of four, um, well, four kids, the parents. Um, And she met her husband, uh, my dad, at that time. Um, They hit it off, you know, got married. And then uh, six months after finding out I was, you know, (laughs) that she was pregnant with me, uh, he up and left. And, uh, yeah, so she had me and luckily not all on her own. She had a good support system with my grandparents and, you know, her sister and brothers were a little out there, but, um, she had to decide cause my grandparents had decided they wanted to move to Las Vegas. And she decided, she was like, do I move to Las Vegas with my parents, raise my son there, or do I go back to Indiana where our roots are, where my aunt is and, you know start over there um and she decided on the ladder to move to indiana which good or bad like looking at my uncle it seems like the right choice because he was still is way far gone as far as drugs and partying and everything though like vegas won't necessarily do that to you um but it doesn't help uh so yeah grew up in indiana which was I mean, it's Indiana. (laughs) We were in the middle of cornfields, like literally next to, you know, four farms. And then there was my aunt's house. Uh, So it was very much uh, a rural area and stayed in school there until second grade. And then my mom got remarried and we moved to more of a suburb of Indianapolis. Um, Still pretty small town at the time. Now it's exploded. But um, 
yeah, moved there and went to school there. It was a great school system. Like I hated the place, but like I would definitely have my kids grow up there because schooling was amazing. Like mm-hmm. the people sucked, but schooling was amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> people so, people yeah, just tend um, to suck. I mean, that's kind of what people do. They <laughs> suck. True. So. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a minority. Sometimes it's a majority. This was definitely a majority issue. Um, but did I played, you know, all the sports back then when I was, you know, in elementary <clears> school and everything. And then, uh, my stepdad was come to find out he was a raging alcoholic, um, and a verbally and physically abusive one, uh, more physically towards me than my mom, but I had kept it hidden from my mom. Like he always did it when she wasn't around. Um, didn't tell her until years later after they had divorced um, and she wanted to rip his head off then, but uh, just a small little snippet of that, um, which kind of brought me into my depressed Gothic stage, um, (laughs) which, you know, some kids have, some don't, but it definitely hit me. um, Was there any mascara? You know, was there any mascara? uh, No, no mascara except for concerts. We would go to concerts and we would put on the mascara for that, but not at school. So Um, special occasions. Got it. Yeah, special occasion (laughs) mascara. I was the only boy to get in trouble for painting his nails in class um, because the black nails needed painted. So there was that part. You (laughs) beta. But it's funny because I got along with everyone because I did sports up until like, you know, seventh, eighth grade. And then all of a sudden I was, you know, I was wearing the big baggy Jinko jeans and then a football jersey, you know, of like <laughs> Mike Allstop from the Buccaneers. Like, so they're like, what the fuck are you? I was like, I'm me. I'm fucking comfortable. What are you? Like, you know, do we pick on just, this kid? I, I, do we pick on him or no? Is he cool? Or- <laughs> wasn't he our pitcher like back in elementary school like yeah like he was the pitcher he had an arm on him um so yeah (laughs) um so yeah it was it was an interesting time um definitely had those you know that bullied me just because of that you know the way i looked but that's just any schooling like they'll find a reason to pick on you um met my brother from another mother uh being an only child it was kind of a necessity. He uh, came from Chicago and right away was an outcast because he was a black kid in a majority white town. I think he was one of like four black kids when he first came into the school. So it was, it was rough there. And like, I went over to him and it was like, dude, I got the new crazy bone album. You want to listen to it? And like, right away we just connected because it's like, I was always into an eclectic uh, type of music, anything from the death metal to hip hop, to country, to, you know, anything and everything. Uh, so yeah, we became inseparable, like always hanging out. I would take him to work and, you know, if he was running late or anything, uh, but after high school, it was kind of just a bit lost, like odd jobs, things like that. Just, you know, music was always like an important thing, like was always listening to music, but just didn't know how to make that into a career. Um, so just kind of went to concerts, all that. I remember one year we went to like, we saw, I think 400 bands because of festivals and stuff we went to. Like we ended up seeing 400 bands in one summer because we just went to every show we could possibly go to. Uh, didn't like them all, but we saw 400 bands. Oh. <laughs> and you get the Ozfest, you get the, you know, Lollapalooza stuff, you get all kinds of things. Like you can rack it up pretty quick. That uh, sounds like a job. Yeah. 
<laughs> when you're 18, 19, it's not. When you can't drink legally, and so you just get up and go again because you can't buy alcohol. Like you're you're good to go. <laughs> that's amazing. I used but to know yeah, a bunch so of kids that used to just, do that sort of thing, touring with bands and stuff like that. Oh my God, fish. Yeah, it, it's like, crazy. Like forty shows in like uh, forty six days or some shit like that. Uh, yeah. Um. But yeah, so after that, like I was working at this uh, manufacturing plant that was doing the outsides of buildings and uh, was just sick of it. Like I, I couldn't stand doing it. Like I wasn't happy at all. And like went home, told my mom, I was like, I have to get out of this fucking town. I have to get out of the state. Like I'm done. Like I can't do it anymore. And so she was like, all right, what do you want to do? I was like, well, there's a recording school in Minneapolis. Like, you know, I really... I've always thought of Minneapolis as a great place. Like it seems very much more forward motion than backwards as most of Indiana is. Um, so yeah, I, you know, took the chance. I went to work the next day and t- told my boss, I was like, Joe, I'm sorry, I quit. And he's like, what do you mean you quit? And like, he was a dick anyways. <laughs> and so, and he had just had hip surgery. So I just told him I quit and then walked out, but he couldn't chase me because he just got back from having hip <laughs> surgery. So it's just like, deuces, I'm gone. Um, and then I think it was two months later, I moved to Minneapolis and started uh, at a recording school up here and just fell in love with the city, fell in love with the state. Like there was always something going on, especially during the summer, even during the winter, they find a way to make it happen. Um, and the uh, professors there, like a lot of them, you know, worked in Minneapolis, which is a big recording town, which I didn't know. A lot of people probably don't know, but like Prince, obviously, but like some of them had worked on Michael Jackson album, Janet Jackson albums, like as the head producers and stuff like that. And was just, even though I haven't gone into the music career, like that knowledge that I got and those stories that I was told made the school worth it. Like I have the degree, but realized very quickly after that it's more who you know than what you know when it comes to the recording industry. Mm-hmm. And you could have all the talent in the world. If you don't have people that'll support you, you're not going to get anywhere. Like, it's just that simple, especially as someone behind the scenes versus, you know, if you're a good guitarist, you'll get noticed eventually. If you're a good producer and no one takes you seriously, no one takes your, you know, <laughs> takes the demos that you give them. They don't care. Yeah. The movie industry is the same way. Just, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like there's yeah. some great scripts out there that they'll just never be seen mm-hmm. <laughs> because no one knows who the fuck they are. Uh, so yeah, after school, I, uh, moved back to Indiana for about six months, <laughs> found a job at CVS and was just like, all right, what am I going to do? And you know, it was just, I can't do this anymore again. Like I'm back in the same place that I tried to get away from. And so I was talking to one of my buddies, like good friends. I was like, you tired of Indiana? He's like, yeah. I was like, you want to come to Minneapolis? Like, I know some people. <laughs> like, he's like, sure. So they're like found an apartment online. Didn't even go look at it, obviously, because we were in Indiana. It was just like 800 bucks a month in downtown Minneapolis, basically like sold. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we can both pay 400 a month for rent. And so walked in. One of the rooms is super tiny. One's huge. And we're just like, all right, we'll we'll switch off every couple months on who gets the big room because one is definitely like the child's room. The other one's the master room. Um, but yeah, moved back and stayed here ever since. Never looked back. Um, that friend's come and gone. He's in Florida now for a job. Uh, and then just kind of still worked odd jobs. I got into the hotel industry, which you know, I thought was a good career path. Um, luckily didn't stick with it because COVID happened and all hell broke loose when it came to that. 
uh, end up finding a job at a law firm because of someone I knew uh, that was working at the hotel part time and thought that was going to be the career because I was in facilities and it was the biggest law firm in Minnesota. But I was like fourth in line, like I could see the direction that, you know, the stairway to being at the top of it was learning new stuff. And then COVID hit and they just didn't have enough to do because everyone was working from home and facilities work. You kind of need people there to do the (laughs) facility stuff. (laughs) Like That's how it works. Uh, So I got furloughed for about a year until they finally let me go. Um, So that's the uh, job path that I was on and then now work where I do. but outside of that, I, you know, obviously met Roxy. Um, <laughs> that kind of came out of nowhere. I was never big on dating or anything. And uh, yeah, I was just did the Tinder thing. It was, you know, swiping left and right. And all of a sudden we matched. And she was one of the few that actually wanted to meet up right away instead of just talking forever and then not actually going to like actually go on a date, like which both sexes and, you know, whoever it may be are guilty of. It's just like, oh, no, let's just keep talking. It's like, no, like, let's see if we actually are a good match in person. Like, I get the scariness of meeting somebody. That's why you always do it, you know, in a bar or restaurant or anywhere that's in public. But, yeah, so we hit it off right away. I knew it, I think, way before she did that I was just like, this is, I love this woman. <laughs> like, I want to be with this woman. That's all there is to it. Um, so, yeah, I met her, fell madly in love, and, you know, I less than no it was a year and a half later she got pregnant with our first child um we had i had asked her to marry me before that and we had booked our wedding for about the time that our first child was due so we were like all right let's let's postpone the wedding um kids gonna come dress won't look good i get it uh and then we end up getting married in duluth like a month after that and and then she was pregnant with our second and you know than our third but you know she's made me such a better man like i was terrified of having kids just not having that father figure in my life so i i knew that you know if if anything she was going to help me with that and you know we both had troubling backstories when it came to uh our childhoods anyways and as you said like andrew we kind of we want to do better than our parents did for us like you always want to be better than what your parents Mm -hmm. were even if you had the greatest parents you still want to one-up them um so, you know, it's in our head that we're going to never say no to our kids unless it's something that's going to kill them or something like that. Like, you know, let them explore and do what they want to do. If it's religion that they want to learn about, like, let them do it. Um, but we're not going to push anything on them, like be it religion or Pearl Jam. I will not push it. <laughs> I'll just have listen to it. Mango Pepsi as well. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Leave them. You can say no to that. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps turning on Soundgarden. Uh, yeah. being like, oh, yeah, it's Pearl Jam. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. It's good. Listen to it. <laughs> how long have you and Roxy? Um, but yeah, and oh, then that brings me. Sorry, I was just going to ask how long <laughs> have you and Roxy been together? I was actually five years uh, a couple days ago. Oh, congratulations! Time. Happy anniversary! Yeah. So I would just like to note uh, to both you and Roxy, I said congratulations before either Bryce or Aaron did. Fuck you, Andrew. No, you so didn't, five you years did, together. But, but you didn't say congratulations. You said like I just did. I just said no. But I beat you too at that point. I'd already said congratulations. <laughs> no. I already said it. Just I said it first. Just say just I, say fuck I'm you. I'm gonna be Andrew. the one editing the clip. By the way, oh that's three. <laughs> so Aaron's finally broken his record. We're at three. How exciting! Thank you, thank you, Aaron, for the congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> 
going to be an welcome, interesting Paul. edit this week, boys. <laughs> I'm going to be on TikTok being um, like, that is yeah. not what I said. That is not what I said. Right. That's not what I said at all. I don't know where and, those words came and not, from. And not when I said it either. <laughs> <laughs> I will edit this to where it sounds like Polly is saying he fell madly in love with Mango Pepsi after the first time he tried. That, nice. That will be and it'd still be true. It would still be true. <laughs> There's something wrong your, with your, you. Your editing skills have just skyrocketed in the last week, if you can do that. I'm looking forward well, to, to it. Well, to be fair, the bar was at zero two weeks ago. It's true. I'm, I'm, I'm an um, any sort of so success yeah. kind of guy, you know? <laughs> we're getting there. We're, we're making progress. Yep. But yeah, Polly, I think like just... Just in, you know, seeing and hearing you talk about the kids and, you know, it it's clear that, um, you know, your passion or one of your passions in life is giving those those kids the experience that you you feel like you didn't have. So I think from an outsider's perspective and as someone who has kids myself and, and questioning my abilities every day, um, right, it it feels like you do a fantastic yeah. job. Paul, Paul, Paul is super like bad. That, just, just being there. Yeah. You know, you, you do a tremendous job from everything we see. So I try, there's definitely moments where I'm like, man, like I could have done better, but I think we all <laughs> just have that as parents where it's just yeah. like, I, I should have done something different there. Um, well, welcome but, to being insecure. Okay. I say that after everything I do, <laughs> <laughs> I, I make toast and I'm like, I could have done that better. Like right now, I'm like, I know, I know one of these lights is not the right color. It needs to be brighter. I could have done that better. Oh man. <laughs> okay, Andrew, right, let's ready? do your little jokey so joke. Okay, perfect. So, so uh, after another little technical difficulty that actually wasn't Aaron's fault again, um, I wanted it's to really shame. I wanted to I wanted to paint a picture for not only our audience just listening, but also our audience on YouTube. So I think it's important for everyone to really understand Aaron fully. Um, you listen, you, you listen to the introduction here. So Aaron's about to break in with his story, but before he does, the Dust Bowl, also known as the Dirty 30, started in 1930 and lasted for about a decade. But its long-term economic impacts on the region lingered much longer. Severe drought hit the Midwest and the Southern Great Plains in 1930. Massive dust storms began in 1931. Okay, you can go. <laughs> Stop giving uh, Andrew microphones. <laughs> Fuck you, Andrew. <laughs> there you go. We got another one. Nice. That was number four. My stomach hurts. That was number four. Ooh. Breaking records today, boys. So, yeah, um, you know, it's funny hearing you guys' stories uh, as different backgrounds as we come from. There's so many simul similarities that it's not as surprising that we've come together, the four of us. Um, so I was born to a young mother and father, 16 and 17, um, they in, ended up in a blended family because they never got married and which rightly shouldn't have. Um, uh, so I was pretty much raised in the first five years of my, well, more than that, but basically raised more by my grandparents just because, you know, super young parents need help from their parents. Um, 
mom had me and then she finished high school. Then she went off to college to become an LPN. And then my dad, he was kind of a troublemaker and ended up going into the Navy uh, for six years. He did two world tours on two aircraft carriers. Um, Oh, wow. And then my mom met my stepdad, who technically adopted me. Um, But uh, I have always been close with all of my family, whether it be biological or step so it's it's a great thing i have a huge family um Mm -hmm. uh, but i was raised raised a lot by my grandpa which is why i'm country boy farmer uh you know started driving you know doing field work in a big tractor when i was in sixth grade actually doing work yeah um and then so he was diagnosed with lupus in 1983 or four I think it was 84 because, and passed away at the age of 57. And I would have been like 14, 13 or 14. I was freshman in high school. So that was like losing my dad at a very young age, which sucked. Um, But after that, my, I got way closer with my stepdad and, and my, my biological dad, because my biological dad, he was stationed out in San Diego for a lot of years of my life until 89. And then, then they moved home. Um, and, and then that year I had a, they moved out onto his, his wife's farm, family farm where they had a dairy and my, where my little brother who was five at the time, uh, was screwing around on on the automatic cattle feeder and got pulled into it and got killed. Um, so, yeah, lots of lots of fun times when I was young. Um, but it makes you stronger. But so I'm the I'm the only one between my two parents. I have. Uh, hang on, now I got to count. I got. Three brothers and a sister on my dad's side, including my brother that died. And then on my mom's side, I have two brothers, all younger than me. Um, and none of none of my brothers or brothers and sisters are real close in age. They're all they span from anywhere of three years younger than me to twelve years younger than me. My youngest brother, so uh, wasn't really ever super close with siblings growing up. I was kind of more only child. Um, we going somewhere on a train or? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, that's that's. Me. Oh, nice. That's you. I yeah, mean, right. It's not. It's not my train, but, but it's in the background. Yeah. Uh, yeah I was gonna say. I, I was thinking it was me at first because I am in Ferndale and it goes right through or this side. But you're well, definitely we, closer. We to have you. Aaron. We have Aaron talking about his his country boy. Uh, know, energy train, going up. I was so like, I figured. I figured perfect time with the train going. Yeah. Up. Nice. I thought he had like an effect button or something. He was hitting it like every time, like on the radio shows. You know. <laughs> so yeah, well, we have the a, mountains uh, of Nebraska. We have a guest host, so. I will keep it muted while she's here, but she's part of it now. Hey beans. So, um, so yeah, anyway, I was, uh, had to grow up fast and, you know, I grew, I've grown up and I'm still, I still am in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, Nebraska, hashtag BFNN, um, small towns, uh, 
I, the town I live in now is the town that I grew up in, which is only 300 and some people now, uh, for a time. I got married when I was 24 and my wife and I lived in a town of 69 people where I was the chairman of the town board and fire chief um, and dog catcher and, <laughs> and police chief. Were you the mayor also or did, or did we just make chairman of the chair, chairman of the town board is technically mayor. No, Frank Sinatra is the chairman of the board. Okay, well, I'm just as important as Frank Sinatra, Andrew. So just start throw, start throwing some respect on my name. Just because your eyes are as blue as his doesn't mean you're as important. So if yeah, Frank Sinatra was old, if Frank Sinatra was old blue eyes, does that make Aaron really old blue eyes? Fuck you, Andrew. <laughs> Nailed it. That's the, the we're we're halfway to double digits now, folks. That's, that's number five on the doggy. <laughs> But before this gets stretched Market out too dude. long, um, yeah, I <laughs> my life was fairly basically simple. Um, my my family was always quote unquote Democrats, but still not liberals. Um, yeah, the same story as everybody There's else. As I you know got into college, I went to college at a technical school. I I went for a year for uh, electronic technician, which I had dreams of going in going then to get my bachelor's in uh, electronic engineering. And one day we took a field trip up to a place where just to see what our jobs would be like. And there's all these poor bastards just sitting in cubicles, soldering circuit boards. I'm like, no, I, 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 I can't do this. So the next year I switched my major to diesel mechanics, got my associates in that, uh, worked at a tractor dealership for a couple of years hated sitting in the shop all day when I was young. I wanted to farm, so I went to work for this large corporate farm. I was there for 12 years, moved to South Dakota, became a truck driver. Um, Just like all the Midwest things. Yes, all of the Midwest like things. All the Midwest things. <laughs> um, while in South Dakota, uh, I did get my namesake, which is Aaron Nine Toes. I was in a accident where... Uh, attachment on a skid steer fell and and crushed both my lower legs Ugh. and i was in a wheelchair for three I've months heard it so many times but every time it just ugh. every yeah. single time it, it, it never gets easier to hear like yeah i knew he was about saying i was like Aah. yeah well the worst part is he watched friends all the way through twice hey i watched that stupid that. new that's i watched that stupid new story. girl show too all the way through while i was in the, sitting in the wheelchair so well, your favorite show mm, yeah wait so you two actually have something in common yeah but i watched it and still no. think, thought it was mediocre he thinks it's the greatest show on the world. <laughs> well aaron has a kale salad for breakfast and calls himself cultured so we we don't need to do this right here we'll let aaron continue up there. so yeah i went through my accident and then um ended up getting divorced six months after my accident so that was fun stayed in south dakota for a couple Oof. yeah yeah, it all just all that fun stuff just tends to hit at the exact same time. Um, but then, uh, so I mentioned my grandpa had lupus. My mom has MS, which is starting to deteriorate her. And then my biological father was diagnosed with really, really bad Parkinson's. And oh, so, man. then it was time to move home. I got a job at at a at my cousin's company, which is a family owned company, trucking company. And that's where I'm at now. Um, and 
right after the, my divorce is when the pandemic hit and I found the kids dancing app and I found you guys and here we all are. Oh, and to show everybody proof. Scene. I'm actually missing a toe. He's been sitting. He's if you want to see the missing toe, you have to go time. to YouTube, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> no, it's uh, uh, Paul. It's actually on OnlyFans. So. Ooh, I should start one of those. But yeah, that's that's. Dude, like, 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 don't throw it out the window. Like, you might be kidding right now, but like, I promise you, oh, there is there's money to be got made. to be. There's enough people that have like some sort of like weird toe king, mm-hmm. and you are definitely Aaron Weird Toe. Yeah. So let's, uh, <laughs> imagine oh, how I much got... you could sell your socks for. Oh God! The, oh, the socks that the that the toe, that the toe hasn't been in. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna stop throwing those away. But with that, that's that's <laughs> that's basically my life story. Um, yeah, as far as like being conservative as a young kid and just growing and learning, especially because of the app, it's my story's just gonna pretty much mirror everybody else's story, like. Aunt, especially Andrew's story where I was very conservative and now at 42 years old, you're learning about internalized misogyny and racism. And I think I said it on the, on the uh, first podcast is it just learning how to deal with it and not want to push back on it is it it's work and it sucks. And, but I'm better because of it. So, and with that, the only, one of the only, Good. Uh, 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 <laughs> Do I just need to? <laughs> We're still learning this dance, yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, I know. I did, uh... <laughs> One, two, three, four. <laughs> like double Dutch. You just got long time ago, time back in the seventies, on the mountain of Lookout, a baby <laughs> boy was born. <laughs> is that the right? Is that the right? His name was Bryce. <laughs> and then you do it. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you got to hit like the, the damn of the story, you know? I should have had, I should have had Rocky <clears throat> Top queued up for that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I have my guitars right here. Don't do that. I'll start playing along. Um, so I'm not going to be as me as I was yesterday when we tried this. I'm going to like kind of condense it a little bit so I oh, don't see like put that an out. hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, anthology. I mean, it's me, so the good. Uh, <clears throat> so, but like, yeah. So, I, I'm just gonna go with like my upbringing, like skip the whole like, holy fuck, where did you come from? Sort of part of the story. Um, I grew up in what uh, Aaron was essentially, or I'm sorry, Andrew was essentially talking about, like a relatively. I mean, it was pretty rich. It's Gross Point Farms, so like the city is in itself is like one of the richest, if not in the state, in the country. Like, um, and everything was just hunky dory, you know, like I was a white kid and there was some, you know, some ethnicities other than white kid, but there were a lot of white kids. I think I graduated with five black people and like three or four, uh, people have been Indian descent. Um, but, uh, my parents, I, I told my mom this and she got really, really like, she got like hurt by it. And I was like, no mom, this is a good thing. Like I didn't understand like racism was a thing or like that, like, I was or the, the, like other people looked down on other races or like when you say I don't see race, like I actually didn't see race when I was like very, very, very young up until I was like 11 or 12. And then I started noticing things people said as we like as a whole got smarter, you know, sixth grade, mm-hmm. 12th, uh, sorry, sixth grade, uh, seventh grade, you start to become a little bit more aware of your surroundings. 
you know, you go to a public school for the first time because I was in private school up until then. So like my mom and dad had friends of fairs, which was a, a black family and uh, 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 Ricky and what was his name? Michael were like the same age as me and my brother. So we'd go over there and sleep over. And it was just it, it wasn't weird at all. But like the one thing I wish he had told me. At least when I started becoming aware of it, maybe even before then, just to kind of plant the seed was to be like, listen, Bryce, just because we're accepting of other people and we don't tend to see color as people say, you know, there are other people who definitely do. And my parents never warned me about that. They were great. They were great people. Extraordinarily. I would say leftists back in the day, even, you know, but they never told me that the other side existed. So I really noticed it until like I had a friend uh, who turned into like one of my best friends for a long time who always tossed out the N word. And like, I was kind of insecure, but I had a best friend, you know, I was like, I didn't like, oh, you shouldn't say that. You know, like, I think I, I think I was saying that initially and then eventually I just gave up. And um, I mean, I had like my own racist moments that I don't, you know, that I don't realize were racist until like, until like, you know, yesterday when I was about to go to sleep and I was like, ah, I said that thing, you know, like you just wake up like with an old memory yeah, of something absolutely. you did or said, and then you're up for the rest mm -hmm. of the freaking night. Oh my God. So anyways, um, it wasn't until like, it wasn't until, uh, I would say even after my transplant that I really started to notice what people actually thought, you know? And I think that like, that's just that's just white privilege beyond white privilege. It's, it's a white boy growing up in a fairly white neighborhood who never sees, mm -hmm. uh, who never sees the actuality of what racism does. He'll hear it from kids and just bow, whatever, and blow it off. And I'm not going to hang out with them. But then, you know, you actually, when like I got on this app or even before that, actually, but like I started paying attention to things, I started noticing that, that that racism isn't just what people think or say or and do behind closed uh, closed doors. It affects the entirety of the country, of the world, whatever the case may be. You know, it, it's mm -hmm. it will it will dominate the entire structure of a system. And as we've seen over the last like four or five years of us doing this sort of thing out here on TikTok, or three or four years, I say it's it's obvious that that's true. And and I feel terrible that like I never paid attention to it. The way I do now, so that's why I'm like adamant about it. I'm, you know. Well, it's to to interrupt for a second. It's yeah. not even that you didn't pay attention to it. It's that these were things that we were led to believe or raised to believe were these are part of life or this is how things are because we're coming from the place of being beneficiaries of those things. We're not the ones who are who are on the short end of that straw or the ones being oppressed by it or marginalized by it. So. To be able to have those things explained to you, and I think that's why the people who struggle with understanding things that we've been able to make headway with in terms of just like internalized racism, internalized misogyny is like the lens. If your lens is your life in your small town or big town, but if it's all white people and everyone's well off and no one has these issues and no one struggles, your whole experience is that life is good. Why, why is anyone worried about homeless people? Where I live, there's no homeless people. There's nothing to worry about. I'm not but homeless. Life, it's okay. I'm good. You know? Life life is not your street corner. Yeah. It, it's it's so much more than that. And I think that's why this app specifically has been has been great for so many people. 
But I think it's yeah. why so many of us like yell like empathy too all the time because like that's an unempathetic sort of way to feel like I'm fine. What's the problem? Right. You know, and then you're then you clearly don't give a flying well, fuck you, about anybody else. And you said uh, you were talking about you know I don't see color and you know that's something I lived by for a while and then until I figured out you know hearing people from marginalized groups and saying well you know if you don't see color that's kind of shitty too because then you're not seeing the problems and that that was a real eye-opener that's almost exactly like exactly the problem you know and uh from where i came from was that like and i like i said i I was telling my mom and she was like well no we raised you right i was like mom no you you did raise me well Mm -hmm. like you, you you taught me to be kind and all these things but you didn't tell me that other people weren't like that. And I was like, what? People are mean? Oh, no. Come on. Mm-hmm. You're like, it like blew me away. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. You know, I thought everybody was just like nice. <laughs> but apparently nobody's Jokes fucking nice. Yeah. Right? On you. It was so much better living in that cocoon. I could tell you that. Like, not because of the white privilege, but because like I didn't have to realize that like people were terrible, mm-hmm. you know, and not realizing people are terrible is privilege, but like, it was also extraordinarily calming, Mm -hmm. you know, never any, like, never any, like those internalized racism issues that you face that we face these days. You don't feel those back then. I like, I remember what it was to like, not feel that way. Right. You know, now that's also part of the thing. That's part of the thing. Like you were explaining, like we, we as as looking like we did when we grew up or like you having your friend who was black that you and your brother would go hang out with him and his brother you got to you got to feel that calm whereas him and his brother probably didn't get to feel that so like that's where like you called out earlier it's just you grew up not knowing because your parents raised you in a loving household where you were taught you know to care for everybody to appreciate everybody and unfortunately as you pointed out most people are not like I haven't even actually thought about this, but like there could have been like an overall sense of like when me and my brother were taken to this house that the fairs and her, uh, his dad was great, was great. He died a few years ago and his mom, mom was great. And the kids were great. But like there was probably something in the back of their head like these are white people. OK, it's like this family could easily just go nuts and, you know, and let the racism flow. Well, I mean, that they, was they, a they thing with had my... to be. <clears throat> Go ahead. I was just going to say that was the thing with my um, friend that ended up being like a brother to me is um, like his mom never really trusted me that much. Like she was like, okay, he can take you to work or whatever. But she was always like on edge until one time when um, I think his brother and sister were locked out while we were out somewhere else and like, or no, they were in a car accident and she was at work. Um, she worked in Chicago sometimes. And like, I booked it with him to go get him, like to get, make sure they were safe and okay and brought them home and everything. And like from that moment on, she realized like, you know, it's the thing, like she even said it to me. She's like, you're one of the good ones. And she meant as a white person, like, you know, that yeah, you know, of course. I was yeah. treating his family, like my family, like, you know, I wasn't having some ulterior motive. It was just like, Oh, my best friend needs help. I got to go do it. And it's like, you know, looking back, knowing how on edge she was until that moment, like made me think because back then I was just like, oh, your mom just doesn't like me. And now thinking about it, it's like, no, she was yeah. cautious of me <laughs> because right. she didn't know exactly who I was. She just knew that, you know, I could be very dangerous to her son because of 
my whiteness. <laughs> whiteness, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy like that. I mean, like, like back in that day, you're thinking, oh, she just doesn't like me or whatever. But like, and she probably had nothing against you, like personally. Like she probably thought you were a polite person and, you know, you were nice to her son. So, but she was always like, back of the head. I have to be, I have to be cautious. So, yeah. <clears throat> so moving past this extraordinarily deep conversation that I walked us into, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> okay. So after, so after high school, no. Um, <laughs> so I've been a musician my, most of my life. And uh, I told a story the other day, but like um, when I was 11, MTV Top 10, they were premiering You Could Be Mine, Guns N' Roses. I had only seen the Welcome to the Jungle video was a little like, what's that? Oh, my God. Like, there's people all over the place. And that guy's not wearing a shirt. Where's that guy's face? And like, <clears throat> and then um, I saw the You Could Be Mine video uh, slash the BC Rich and uh, just on stage and fucking balloons. And like, they had blacked out like the, you know, few women who were like, yeah, I'm at a rock concert. And I was like wow, I must be going through puberty because that is awesome. <laughs> and uh, I, I started uh, I started obsessing about uh, Guns N' Roses and left my Vanilla, Hite, Vanilla Ice and CNC Music Factory behind, you know, in the, in the, in the past. What could have been? What could <laughs> but, um, have been? Mm-hmm. I know, right? And the, the, the funny part is that Vanilla like, Bryce, how did I not say that yesterday? We, we missed I've, out on I've, Vanilla I've actually, I was actually wondering how that never happened because people used to call me that all the time. Or they'd be like, hey, Bryce, Bryce, baby. You know, or like... Um, <laughs> Andrew's disappointed uh, in himself that he didn't think of that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm uh, so... Like, I'm going to be thinking one, about that later. The one I used to get in grade school all the time was Bryce Aroni, the San Francisco treat. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, like, that's even low for me. You could have been in cahoots with Kid Rock well, back in the day. We, we, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were six years old, so let's let's not let's not like be down in the cr- creativity of a first grader, you know. <laughs> oh. uh, uh, where was I? So um, yeah, I um, I started playing music, and but like right when I started getting good at guitar, like a couple years after I started playing, and like. Was it sixth grade or seventh grade? I'm not sure. It's one of two, but uh, just like the what Polly said, what could have been. I was kind of on either side of the fence because I started in a choir that was psychotic. Like, I mean, it was it was like seven or eight shows a year, and we would rehearse from three to ten every day after school, uh, and nine to six Saturdays and Sundays for three weeks before every single show. You sound like a Russian gymnast yeah. before. The yeah, Olympics. exactly. Like, and like, I never took any dancing lessons or anything, but I was always the number one in front, middle of the stage, uh, tap dancing and doing all that shit. So like, it very well could have been like, Vanilla <laughs> Bryce. Music, Vanilla Bryce, yeah. Bryce. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, the choir was amazing. I, I played guitar at the same time and took theory classes and everything like that. So like, I'm not trained as a guitar player at all. Like I have, I took like two or three lessons and then just started learning on my own, but I'm extraordinarily trained as like a dancer, professional choreographer and voice lessons and everything like that for uh, just singing bass. And I, I, in case, uh, case any alphas out there want to question me, I did have the lowest voice in the entire state of Michigan for four years. So is it true? Is it true that you choreographed Aaron's twerking video uh, that premiered on TikTok? That's what I heard two years ago. No, no, don't tell him, Aaron. Fuck you, Andrew. No, that, that. that, that. (laughs) 
That that video never happened. I, 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 <laughs> six. Six times we've heard it too. You're killing it. Okay, we're already we're already up over hundred percent approval, right? <laughs> All right, but so yeah. after you choreographed Aaron in the Zubaz pants, what, what came after that? Uh well then I started making those pants because I no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um I uh like I started uh I, me me and my uh, best friend were gonna go to college for music theory. Cause I didn't want to like go for guitar because I was like, I wanna keep my own style, man. And um, which which in hindsight was a terrible idea. I should have just like gone and learned what I could have again school for guitar and then just applied what I do to that. But here we are. Um, uh, and uh, and like me and uh, his name was uh, Nads. He was called Nads up until a few years ago. That's a story for another time, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, we dropped out after like one semester. We were like. And I did because I went to be I went to be a music theory major, and um, I wasn't allowed to major in theory my freshman year. And I never, nobody ever told me that. I didn't read it anywhere, anything like that. So I was like, "Are you telling me that I have to like sit through theory one hundred and one, like stuff I did when I was fourteen years old for a year?" And he was like, "Yeah, what's the problem?" <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay money to do that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So I so I so I went home, filled out the entire test book, and returned it the next day, and then didn't show up to class again. So, yeah. I mean, I, I I aced the entire book. I just like flew through it, but he can only give me an A minus because of my attendance. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a great idea, in theory. God damn it! <laughs> I see Aaron's in pain. He's like, I saw that coming. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> So I uh, so like uh, after that and everything like it was just music and uh, bartending you know it's and it's been like that pretty much you know there was a few years there in the middle where I was doing other things um, but uh, yeah exchanging just, hearts um, exchanging yes yeah uh, I'll I'll save I'll save that part for another for another uh, for another episode because I have a funny feeling that we are going to need content. As we go on, <laughs> so like let's try to spread things out a little bit. We'll be like things you didn't know about us, part two. Like, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's it's really has just been like music, uh, bartending, music bartending. Like every time I join a band, especially in my like twenties when like I didn't need anything besides my boots, um, I, I would just like sleep at people's houses or sleep at my parents' house when they were out of town because they worked on movies. And then I'd go on tour and then I'd come back and maybe my grandmother was at home. So I would take care of her for a while when my parents were on location. And then I'd go back on tour. And I was like the true definition of like a vagabond mm-hmm. for, I don't know, fucking eight, nine years maybe. You know, and then, then I then I actually like, I met a girl and, and like we started living together and I was bartending around the corner at the WAB where I am now. And, um, and then that other stuff. And now we're <laughs> kind of... <laughs> Yeah, just a detour for a little bit, you know. Just, just bumps, bumps in the road. Everybody, he, I think he said he went to Joshua Tree yeah. by himself or something along those lines. <laughs> he was, was involved. Well, and everybody has a vision. And Bryce, you're one, one you're in Detroit right now, and but you are moving back to California, correct? I am. Yeah, yeah, I am moving back to California. Um, uh, a like my my mother, my brother, and his wife live there. My nephew lives there. Um, 
I play poker and guitar and bartend for a living. And I can do that with much more success. There. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, there's only like two or three casinos like in the Detroit area to like play poker mm-hmm. at. So I'm never really dealing with a, the best of players and B the, the amount of players I want to be able to like maximize my gains. So, um, excuse me. I went all poker brain there mm-hmm. for a second. Hopefully uh, everybody keeps both hands on the table when you, when you play uh, from yeah. the board. Yeah. I, I, I would think at the conference casino where there's like 250 tables <clears throat> that there's at least one. No. Yeah. I hope not for your sake. I mean, you're talking about 2,000 people, you know? Yeah. A, a boy can dream. W- one guy's been there for eight hours and he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have my sleeve up the way I did the other day. I couldn't do it as well. I, I think I think we all we all we all recall the uh, what what yes. was in that here. So. Go back to the previous episodes <laughs> for context. <laughs> yeah, and and not because we need the listens, but we do. De- yeah, I mean both. <laughs> play it through two or three times. Also, yeah. while you're there, just just leave it on and turn the volume off if you mm-hmm. wouldn't mind. Thanks. It's a fast <laughs> mode, so you can get through it quicker. It's fine. Just two times the audio. Yeah. There is. Yep. Have Have you never? Have you guys never listened to podcasts? Yes. You can speed through that. I don't really listen to a ton of podcasts. (laughs) It's like taking the governor off the golf cart. We're going to be taking this thing forty miles an hour here pretty soon. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just like the world's biggest hypocrite. Like here I am in a podcast, and I don't listen to podcasts like at all. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, but people want to listen to me. I mean, come on. There's beans. There's the beans. Is that is that meaning we're getting close to having to wrap this thing up? No, she just yes, reaching out because... to me. <laughs> no, like I, I like I said, I'm not going to go into like the rest of my nonsense because, as you can probably assume, um, there's tons of nonsense like here. Well, and as far as your transplant goes, I in this facility. as far as your heart transplant goes, I think I mean. For everybody who doesn't know, yeah, Bryce did have a heart transplant, but I think that's an episode that we can have with, you know, I went through my three months in wheelchair. That's a whole. I didn't even mention mine. I didn't even mention my open heart surgery. I kind of yeah. <laughs> see, we'll, so. see, we'll, we'll do a part two with like major injuries. Yeah. 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 Major surgical things. Million dollar, million dollar surgeries. We all have, we all have one of those. Actually, I have t- 2.6 million. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Dump change. Yeah. <laughs> the American medical system. Hard oh, work. Not, I can't believe my tax dollars paid for your surgery with that man. Lib. <laughs> but with all of that. You beta lib. Good. Beta lib cuck, right? That's the one? <laughs> yeah. BLC, yeah. yeah. BLC. Hashtag BLC. With all of that, I think, well, I think right, we looks, have to mention yeah. our sponsor, Andrew, of course. Uh yeah, so you you heard it at the beginning of the episode, um, but it's it's uh, it's the Ballad of Bonaduke by R.T. Slaywood, a dark urban fantasy. It's available exclusively on Kindle Vela in the description on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast. You'll have access to the link or in our link tree as well. Um, so please check it out. Um, from what I read, I really enjoyed it. But uh, it looks like Beans is telling us it's time to wrap yep. up. So I think uh, Bryce should probably count us into that song there, and we should get it rolling. One, two, three, four!